For many, Christmas is filled with hope and joy. For others, it's a season of fear and anxiety. And it was just as true during the very first Christmas. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah looks at the times fear was prevalent in the original Christmas story and offers biblical tools to help you keep fear from stealing the joy of Christmas. Listen as David introduces the hopes and fears of Christmas. That may seem like a very strange title, but it's very insightful because Christmas um, often creates a fear in the hearts of people, anxiety, depression. If you talk to any counselor, they'll tell you one of the busiest seasons they have during the whole year is the period of time around Christmas and after Christmas before the new year. Why is that? I think Christmas uh, makes us aware of all of the wonderful things that we have in our families and our friends. And if we've gone through a time when some of that has been taken from us, Christmas can be a very difficult season. That's why I want to talk with you today, and I'm going to do it with all my heart. I want to talk with you about the hopes and fears of Christmas to encourage you, no matter who you may be, what you're going through, this is a message for you, and I hope you will listen all the way through. I promise you it will help, not because of me, but because I'm going to tell you what the Bible says that will bring blessing to your life. Tomorrow, A Different Kind of Christmas is our title. And then, of course, Christmas is on the weekend. When we come back again on Monday, we will be talking about New Year. What is your life? The inward journey? Writing your story? All of those next week here on Turning Point. Friends, don't forget, we're we're going to have just a few more days for you to order your copy of the beautiful Leather Devotional, Uh, every day with Jesus. I hope you will take time to do that today by sending a gift to Turning Point and asking for your copy. All right, let's get started with the hopes and the fears of Christmas. Something happened this year as people experienced some of the hardest and most fearful moments of their lives. They turned to the Bible in record numbers. The popular YouVersion Bible app saw searches increase by 80% in 2020, totaling nearly 600 million searches worldwide. And the most searched red bookmarked verse on the app was Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This verse from Isaiah was the Bible app's top verse globally, ranked first in the United States, in India, in South Africa. It was first in the Netherlands. It was first in the Philippine Islands. So if you've struggled with fear, you're not alone. Fear's no respecter of people or ages. Strikes the weak it strikes the powerful. It haunts the young and the old, the rich and the poor. And the Bible has a lot to say about fear. Isn't that interesting? It's as if God knew we'd be facing some fearful times on this earth and made sure that the Bible was filled with encouragement about fear. It tells us 52 times in the Bible, do not fear. And 48 times it says, don't be afraid. In one form or another, fear not is the most frequently repeated command in all of the Bible. And the word afraid 
occurs more than 200 times, fear more than 400 times. Unless you think the Bible heroes were fearless, let me tell you something that really surprised me. There are 200 individuals in the Bible who are said to have been afraid. Hmm. Even if our experiences today differ dramatically from one person to another, there really is no denying, friends, that we all know the presence of fear from our earliest days. Seems like we're aware that this world can be a scary place to live. And if anything, the events of the past year have reminded us that there are more than a few reasons we could be afraid if we choose to do so. And now it's Christmas time, and the frightful things around us and the worries inside us rarely completely disappear during the holidays. In fact, if you talk to counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, and pastors, they will tell you they have more appointments during this season of the year than any other time of the calendar. Seems like fear and stress can be at its zenith during the Christmas season. That seems kind of strange to us, and really it's a phenomenon, because in the season of the year for that for many is the happiest, for many others is the most fearful. And I think it's important for us to know that fear didn't originate with our generation or any generation between ours and the Bible. Fear was present on the first celebration of Christmas as recorded for us in the Scripture. In the first chapter of Luke, there are three occasions where people were afraid. The first location is in the first part of the chapter where Zacharias is afraid. The Bible tells us he was troubled and fear fell on him. And the second experience is with Mary when she was told that she was to be the mother of Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 129, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the shepherds, who were the first to really hear the presentation of the gospel, according to Luke chapter 2 and verse 9, they were greatly afraid. So Zacharias, Mary, and the shepherds were not left in their distress. Interestingly enough, they each got the same message, the exact same message. Four simple words of encouragement. And here are those words. Do not be afraid. That's what they were told. Today, as we look at each of these occurrences, it's my prayer that we'll be able to find something from the principles of these stories that will protect us from the debilitating fear that robs so many of us of the joy of Christmas if we're not careful. Here's the first truth from the life of Zacharias. God still answers prayer. God still answers prayer. Let me set this up for you with the context of this story. Here is the scripture from Luke 1, verse 5. There was in the day of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. And so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense, and an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias 
standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell on him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. To set this experience of Zacharias in context, let me remind you this was more than just an answered prayer. You see, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a period of time at the end of Malachi, before the beginning of Matthew, 400 years went by. And those years are called the 400 silent years. And that means something. The 400 silent years are a reference to the fact that from Malachi to Matthew, God did not speak. In fact, for 400 years, there was no message from the heavens. God did not speak himself, nor did he speak through any angels. Everything went silent. The heavens were closed and nothing happened. The period of time between Malachi and Matthew was a very difficult time on the earth. God was silent for four centuries until a never-to-be-forgotten day when a man named Zacharias was fulfilling his duties as a priest in the temple. And every day for as long as they could remember, Zacharias and his wife had prayed for a son. And to be childless in Israel was viewed as to be a reproach from God. Their fervent prayer was about to be answered. On this historic day, Gabriel left God to come and personally announce to Zacharias that God had heard his prayer and that his wife would soon have a son. Think of that for a moment. That was the first time God had spoken for 400 years. And God sent his angel to Zacharias to tell him that a son would be born and he would be John the Baptist the forerunner of Jesus Christ. When we are tempted to feel discouraged and afraid and alone, let us remember Zacharias. God heard his prayer and God answered it. And God is still answering prayers today. There is no silence from heaven in this time. Maybe you have been praying about something and you think perhaps God has forgotten you or maybe God isn't answering prayer anymore. Maybe you've been so discouraged that you've even quit praying. Let me give you some words from the Bible that have helped me to pray and will help you to pray in times when you may not even feel like it. Psalm thirty-four seventeen says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord hears the prayer of the righteous. Matthew 21 says, Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And John 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ladies and gentlemen, if after 400 years of silence, God can answer Zacharias' prayer for a miraculous birth at an old age, he can answer your prayers, and he can answer mine God still answers prayer. I just want to tell you, men and women, if you're in trouble, pray. And pray specifically. If you're not in trouble, pray anyway. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray generally. Pray particularly. Pray in a hurry. Pray when you're not in a hurry. God delights to hear us and deliver us in our own time, in our own way, through the power of our prayer. Whatever you do, don't stop praying. 
That's what Zacharias teaches us. God still answers prayer. Let's fast forward now to about six months in the future from Zacharias. And God is about to send Gabriel on another earthly mission. And the principle that I want you to get from this story is this one. God not only still answers prayer, God still keeps his promises. Here's the story from Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, listen to me carefully. 700 years before that moment about which we have just read, Almighty God had given a promise through Isaiah that was literally fulfilled in Mary's experience. In Matthew 1, 21 to 23, the prophecy of Isaiah and the fulfillment of Mary come together in one passage, and here's what it says. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now listen to this. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, we know Isaiah, saying... Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Men and women, Christmas reminds us that God makes good on his promises, that his word is true, that he cannot lie, and what he has said he will surely do. The Bible says it this way, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Second Timothy puts it this way. If we are faithless, in other words, if we don't keep our promises, he remains faithful, he cannot deny himself. Christmas reminds us that our God is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. He promised through Isaiah what would happen in the life of Mary And the promise didn't seem to be answered. But 700 years later, after the promise was made, the promise was fulfilled. God keeps his promises. And you say, well, where are the promises of God? They're right here in this book. Someone once told me when I first became a Christian, here's the way you should read the Bible. Read it until you find a promise. Underline the promise. Meditate on it. And then read it until you find the next one. The Bible is filled with promises. Some of them are made to the people of Israel, but most of them are made to all of us. And when we find these promises, we can claim them for our own, and we can do so with great confidence because we know God never breaks a promise. Here's some promises to take hold of when you're afraid. Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
Or here's one that might be specifically for someone here today. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. God's promises can be trusted. And if you will study the Bible and find them, you can start claiming them for yourself. So God answers prayer, Zacharias. God keeps his promise, Mary. And now we dip into the second chapter of Luke to discover that God still has a purpose. Luke 2, verse 8, And when they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, in this account of the shepherds, we're reminded that God still has a purpose. And his purpose is to bring good tidings of great joy to all people. And what are those good tidings? They're the gospel that a Savior has been born to take away our sin. We know that you can't get forgiveness anywhere else. The only place forgiveness can be found is through Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. That's what Christmas is all about. And you may be thinking, well, this story is about Zacharias and Mary and the shepherds, and they were all Bible people, so this probably doesn't apply to me. But they were people just like us. Zacharias was ordinary pastor. Mary was a teenager engaged to be married. And the shepherds stood at the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. Think of this for a moment. All of these people... Zacharias, Mary, and the shepherds, all of them were in the will of God, doing what they were supposed to do, and all of them experienced fear. So if you think because you're a Christian, you bypass fear, not so. 1 John four eighteen says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Or 2 Timothy 1.7 says it this way, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. So here's the point of this whole message. Listen carefully. The answer to fear is not courage. The answer to fear is love. The love of Christmas as Christmas should be understood. The answer to the fear of what's going on in your life is not for you to get yourself in a corner and try to drum up courage. To get up in the morning and say, I'm kind of afraid today. I mean, i got to really work hard at not being afraid. How many of you know that doesn't work? The answer to your fear is not to work on your courage. The answer to your fear is to work on your love. To work on the love you have for Jesus and the appreciation of his love for you. And the more you can be enveloped in that search and then that discovery, the more fear will be enabled to touch you. When you know that God loves you and you understand what that means, and when you know that you love God and it's genuine, something happens in your heart that gives you that quiet peace the Bible speaks of, the peace of God which passes understanding. So let me encourage you, when you're afraid or fear comes to knock at your door, 
Don't answer the door with courage. Answer the door with love. And you will discover that fear cannot exist in the environment of love. He was nearly six feet six, weighed 300 pounds. Phillips Brooks cast a long shadow. He was a native Bostonian who entered the Episcopalian ministry, and he pastored with great power in Philadelphia and in Boston. I remember hearing about him when I went to seminary. I didn't know who he was, but I knew he wrote some books on how to preach, and I had to read them. His sermons were topical, not expositional, and he's been criticized for thinness of doctrine, but he's considered one of America's greatest preachers. While he was at Philadelphia's Holy Trinity Church, 30 years of age, he visited the Holy Land, and on December 24th, 1865, he was riding by horseback from Jerusalem. He attended a five-hour Christmas Eve service at the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. I've been there. It's a beautiful place. Five-hour service. He was deeply moved. He said, I remember standing in the old church in Bethlehem, and he later said close to the spot where Jesus was born when the whole church was ringing hour after hour with splendid hymns of praise to God how again and again it seemed as if he could hear the voices telling each other of the wonderful night of the Savior's birth. Three years passed. He was preparing for the Christmas season in his church in Boston. He wanted to compose an original Christmas hymn for the children to sing during their annual program. He recalled that night in Bethlehem, and he wrote a little hymn of five stanzas, and he handed the words to his organist, a man by the name of Louis Redner. And he told him, why don't you write a new tune for my little poem? Lewis struggled with his assignment, complaining of no inspiration. And finally, on the night before the Christmas program, he awoke with the music ringing in his soul. He jotted the melody down, and then he went back to sleep. The next day, a group of six Sunday school teachers and 36 children sang his little poem for the first time, O Little Town of Bethlehem the Christmas song that we sing and love so much each year. In eight simple lines, the first stanza wraps up all that I have tried to say in this message. You've sung these words many times, but have you understood them? He wrote, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, Jesus Christ, tonight. That's what I've been trying to tell you. When you have Jesus, you have the antidote to fear. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in him. And every time we sing that from now on, I hope we'll remember those last words from the first stanza of O Little Town of Bethlehem. Do you want to know how to deal with your fear? Don't try to find courage. Try to find love. Because love is the opposite of fear. In the Bible, the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is love. Perfect love casts out fear. Amen. The hopes and fears of all the years are found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, we are um, moving toward the last day of 2021, and early on in the new year, after we get into 2022, we'll be talking among ourselves here 
a lot about the Holy Land Tour, which is taking place March 22nd through April 1st. If you've never been to the Holy Land, we'd like to invite you to go with us. There's still time for you to get a reservation. If you'll go to our website, it will explain what you need to do, where you need to send your information, and all of that, and I hope you will do that. The Holy Land Tour will be here. Uh, We won't be talking about it much after January, so uh, if you're planning to go with us, I hope you'll let us know and get your reservation all squared away and join us for, I think we're going to be gone for nine or 11 days. We're going to take a great tour of that, of that country, and we'd love to have you be with us. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about a different kind of Christmas. I'll leave the intrigue of that title to you. Be sure and join us then as we have our final Christmas message before the celebration of Christmas over the weekend. I'm David Jeremiah. It's my great privilege to be with you every day. Once again, Merry Christmas from all of us here at Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series of special messages for Christmas, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's filled with daily encouragement for 2022, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we wrap up our special messages for Christmas on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. Back again this year, the Home for Christmas channel from David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions, music, carols, laughter, scripture, pageants, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. Start streaming your Christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free. And enjoy the Home for Christmas channel at home, in the car, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Visit turningpoint.tv to start streaming today. That's turningpoint.tv. When the shepherds in the fields outside Bethlehem heard that a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord, had been born, they responded with eagerness. The Bible says they came with haste to Bethlehem, where they found Mary and Joseph and the newborn baby lying in a manger. 
their response to God's message at that first Christmas is how we ought to respond to each Christmas. The shepherds were like little kids on Christmas morning, full of energy and excitement. The question for us is this, as we grow spiritually older, do we stay excited about Christmas? As excited as those Bethlehem shepherds were? This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to be excited about Christmas on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.